Welcome to Small Town Wealth. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Episode 7 of the Small Town Wealth Podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Shelby Etner. Shelby's a naturopathic physician, and she owns Vero Health here in Vernon, B.C. She has gone from small towns in our province to big cities, accumulating a wealth of information in and out of her field. As a naturopathic physician, she has a passion for integrative care. She believes the healthcare system is currently failing us on many fronts, but she has many ideas for making it better. She has a positive outlook on the health climate and has tons of actionable advice for all of us. Shelby's story is interwoven with inspiration and experience, and she has most recently refined what it means to her to be an entrepreneur. She was responsible for creating the largest natural health clinic in the Okanagan called Okanagan Natural Medicine and eventually opened what is now Vero Health. Vero Health began to expand, and Shelby began questioning the direction she wanted the business to go in. She decided to refine her practice and intentionally and positively downsize, which allowed her more intensive care with her patients. It was a conscious decision that she's very excited about. We are super, super excited for this one and the knowledge and value it can bring to both us and our listeners. So without further ado, here is our conversation with our first female guest, Shelby Etner. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode seven of the Small Town Wealth Podcast. Today is very exciting. We've got our first female person to interview today. What's up, Facebook? <laughs> What's up, Instagram? Yes. Welcome to the studio today, Shelby. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank uh, you. I'm really, really excited about this one because I know you've got an incredibly interesting story. Um, people just from looking at you must know that you've done a lot and accomplished a lot, but mm. truly not to the caliber that's... Uh, that I've actually learned about recently from just talking to you more. So really, really excited to hear more about your story and the things you've seen. Great. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, So really excited to represent the ladies. So... um, it was really excited. Yeah, woo! I was excited to uh, to talk to David about this. I think it's a great concept that you guys are doing. My first podcast. Um, so yes, I'm uh, Dr. Shelby Etner, and I'm a naturopathic physician here in Vernon, BC. And I've been in the community for about twelve years now. We came here from after uh, studying in the states and graduating medical school down there. So what we were looking at when we came to Vernon was to create a new community, just a new home. So a bit of my background, um, I'm a BC girl. I was uh, born and raised in BC. So I grew up in a very small community. I will name it Logan Lake. And uh, it's a small town outside of uh, Kamloops. Pretty small. Did you? Oh, wow. Yeah. If you drive on the Coquihalla, you can wave at it from the, (laughs) but that's about it. Most people have never been. Does the population wave back? (laughs) Well, they're pretty old. I don't know how well they wave anymore. It was, uh, it was a pretty hip little place when it was built, but it kind of turned into a retirement community as time went on. Um, Great community to grow up in though. I loved it. I spent a lot of time outside, a lot of time in nature and um, small town. So it was, it was very intimate. You kind of got to know everyone. I feel a bit like Vernon's like that on a, on a grander scale. It's kind of like there's that six degrees of separation in the community, it seems like. And um, we, uh, my husband and I both are from that same small community. We didn't know each other well when we were growing up, but wow. kind of reconnected afterwards. That's really cool. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's a good guy. You might have played hockey with him, except he's 20 years older than you, so probably not. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> um, 
And uh, yeah, and so when I was going to school in such a small community, there was a lot of opportunities that would come up. And one of the things that really grabbed my attention when I was young was traveling. So I had some pretty great experiences, things that a lot of kids didn't get to do. Um, we had some good family that was living in rural China, so I got to do some traveling when I was about 15 over there. And uh, when I was 16, the opportunity came up that they were looking for Canadian students to travel to Africa. And it was meant to be um, a trip to expose high school students to different conditions in developing countries and then to come home and, and do some um, education. So that was kind of my beginning of public speaking. I, I got to do a lot when I got back. And um, it was a pretty profound trip for such a small town girl. Like I really didn't have any idea about poverty and, you know, refugee camps were definitely not something that I knew anything about. And uh, we went with a pretty amazing group of people, spent some time at United Nations. Um, we were representing the Canadian International Development Agency. So we spent a, a good amount of time with children. That was kind of the purpose of the trip. So that was orphanages and hospitals and things like that. And I think that experience really made me aware that not only was there like a global need for healthcare and um, you know education and things like that, but just understanding too that the human spirit, you know, it came in so many different forms, and it, it was just something that was really, I think, shaped me at such a young age. So um, my family was also really involved in politics, so I had a lot of experience in uh, the world of politics. My mom was the youngest female mayor ever in Canada, so that was wow, a pretty wow. cool experience. Um, but I, like I, I think I mentioned in my little bio to you guys, I didn't get away with anything because everybody knew who my family was. Right. So <laughs> so I was a pretty straight-laced kid. I, I definitely was a school nerd. And um, Were your parents hard on you? No, not at all. No, my parents are great. They actually are, are Vernonites now as well. My mom retired from politics and wanted to get away from the area that she had been living in just so she'd have some, right. be a little bit more anonymous. And um, I guess you get kind of involved in the community that way. You do. To a, to a crazy degree. Yeah. You need to get out at that point. Is that sort of where she Definitely. Definitely. If you ever see like um, our mayor out, I know sometimes it's always like, whoa, you know, who's that? You know, he's, he's a real person. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. you know, it's, it's a little bit funny when you see people in the media and then you see them in person. It's just a kind of a little disjarring I think for people true, so so that was um that was kind of my earlier experiences and and when I graduated high school I I definitely thought I was going to go into teaching that was my passion I loved English literature and um we I keep saying we me uh, my husband didn't come into the picture till later right. um I decided to just attend the local community college which was great and did about two years there, and then realized that it was time to move out into the bigger city. So we ended up, I ended up going into um, UBC in Vancouver. And uh, at that time, I also started to realize I enjoyed law. So I thought I was going to change my direction and, and started pursuing a degree towards going into law eventually. And that's the time in my life when my health really took a big turn. Um, I wouldn't say that there was a lot of stress in my life. I was pretty comfortable being away from home and academically was, was doing well, but I think it was just a perfect storm. There was just a lot of things shifting around me. And I started having really excruciating digestive issues. And embarrassingly enough, you know, it was hard to leave the dorm and, and get to class. And 
it was just something that you didn't want to talk about. It was personal and private. So I made a lot of visits to specialists and, and doctors that we knew in the community back home, as well as doctors in Vancouver, and really couldn't get any answers. Like, really had a lot of tests and a lot of specialists, but didn't get a lot of conclusive evidence of what was going on for me. So I came home for the summer, and um, my mom actually set me up with an appointment with a naturopath that, at the time, I had nothing to do with naturopathy, never had heard of it, didn't have a clue what it was about, and um, that doctor was really pivotal for me, like really helped me to stop and check out what was going on in my digestive health and to try to put some links together for me about, well, what was I doing? Like, what was I eating? What was my stress level like? Like these things that really no one had ever spoken to me about. And um, at the time, I would say I was like every other college kid. I was living off mac and cheese and going out for beers and, you know, just doing your regular eating habits that most North American you know, college kids are doing, totally, and uh, totally. it was a real, it was a real eye opener, and it was really hard to change my diet. I was not happy. Um, I remember going back from my fourth year, and my dorm mates didn't know who the heck they were living with because my fridge was full of tofu and uh, soy cheese and all this vegan food, yeah. <laughs> and they were just, I think, aghast, like, like, who's this weird person we have to live with for the next year? <laughs> so. Um, you but were black uh, sheep at that point. I was. Yeah. I think they were scared. So that was probably um, at a time when that stuff wasn't even like now it's becoming trendy. That was yeah. probably the time when it was like not. Yeah, I'm gonna like, date myself. That was like nineteen ninety three. Like so. Or something <laughs> like that, right? Yeah, there's like one health food store in Vancouver and you had to make a, a special journey to get there. So yeah, yeah it was a, it was definitely a little it's out of the box. Different. Yeah, very tofu much. Tofu now doesn't have nearly like even ten years ago, tofu was like ugh. Oh, yeah. To- I, I'm still not a huge fan of tofu, personally. But, um, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a bit of a shock for everyone around me. So so that, that was kind of my introduction into natural medicine. So didn't necessarily at the moment think that I was going to suddenly change my whole plan. But I, I really just appreciated how much better I felt. And um, that's where the, the we comes into play. Um, my husband was at the time just starting to uh, go into chiropractic school so and at that time the only time you could get into chiropractic school was either to go back east into Toronto or to go down into the states so he elected to go down to Portland and um, we did the long distance dating thing so I'd catch the greyhound down there to see him and uh, he was the one that learned a little bit about the naturopathic school that was down in Portland. So he introduced me to that. And um, they offered uh, a student for a day kind of workshop. So you could go in and, and sit in the classes and get to know some of the students. So that was pretty cool. And um, that's kind of what lit the fire for me. I just got super excited about what I saw down there and, and the stories I was hearing from the people. And... Um, just getting to to meet some of the patients that were being seen in the clinics and their stories of how they were doing. So it was pretty exciting. So that's kind of um, where I, I turned my corner. And um, So you hadn't been involved in naturopathic medicine. You just had sort mm-hmm. of this, this vague interest in it. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden yeah. you go down to Portland, you go to this workshop, and it's like the fire's lit. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, and I have to say that the naturopath I saw was definitely old school so there was it was kind of the Birkenstocks crowd and 
and uh, lovely person and amazing. And that's that's kind of our stereotype. <laughs> totally. And yeah. nothing wrong with Birkenstocks. I love them. They're very comfortable. They're awfully trendy yeah. now. Hey. They are, man. They are. 15-year-old girls everywhere wearing Really? Them. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, they're beyond hipster culture They're now. coming back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I should be careful how I throw Birkenstocks down then. So. <laughs> no. Oh, you can, yeah. you can try. People will defend them, if anything. <laughs> they, they are. They're really, they're really comfortable. Um, yeah, so she was she was pretty neat. And... Um, again just just kind of shifted my whole my whole paradigm if you will so um that was that was a pretty pivotal moment and I think again pain motivates so I was very motivated I I didn't want to feel like that anymore I I couldn't enjoy my social life I wasn't comfortable going out even to class so that was a big big shift for me so um so yeah that last year of, of UBC I still finished my undergrad. I, I do have a degree in English, and I also have a, a minor in psychology. So I, I decided to finish that off. I didn't want to walk away from all those years I'd put in. And, um, and then, yeah, I just started looking into what I needed to do to, to get into medical school. So naturopathic medical school is different than your traditional medical school. Um, both need a, a four-year degree before you can enter. And you need your pre-med. So that's what I spent the next year and a half doing was my pre-med requirements. And um, that was hard, (laughs) going from an English background to suddenly having to sit in organic chem and uh, um, physics and and all these courses that really were kind of foreign to me was a real learning curve. And uh, I always joke I have like my two brains. So I have my arts degree brain and then I have my science understanding and my background in the medical field that I've been training in so yeah so that was that was a big life change there as well as just making that decision to start to get ready to go to medical school so that was pretty exciting did you have any interesting like study habits and stuff like that because this is clearly like a lot of school you went from like English lit to yeah um you went to law and then yeah. you still have your English degree, obviously, and then now pre-med. And yeah. So what kind of study habits did you have? Did you do it in groups? Did you had, Were you just blessed mm. with a good memory? Oh, you know, to be honest, I'm a horrible procrastinator. So oh. if the fire's lit, oh, I will learn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I finished an article about a half an hour ago, so <laughs> that was due today for the Nature's Fair magazine. Um, yeah, no, I, I am. I'm a terrible procrastinator. But I do feel like when I'm under pressure, I learn well. So... I shouldn't really admit to that. That's not a good thing to teach others. But no, I, find the same, I actually <laughs> think the same thing. I find the Do same you? thing. I could never because yeah. I, I only did a year and a half of university, and it yeah. was it was the same thing. It was mm-hmm. like I could never. You know, they give you a month and a half, or you know, all those yeah huge to get your article done, just to make you feel bad for taking it to the last. <laughs> yes, time. and then all of a sudden you just like you bust it out in like um, a day. Yep, and it's like eight hours of work, ten hours of work, and then it's just go go go. But mm-hmm. I felt like I would retain always, the information more. It's always some of your best work too. Like yeah, you said, absolutely. when you're under pressure, it's it, yeah. it always seems to be some of your best work. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily always rushed. I mean, for me personally, like I always had a good memory throughout school, so mm-hmm. like that was that made it easy for me because I didn't really have to study a lot. But yeah. when I did study, it was always night before, where I would wake up a little bit earlier yeah. and study like an hour or two morning of mm-hmm. because whatever I read or studied, mm-hmm. I would remember it very very quickly. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the big thing. Do you, do you find that whatever you did, did you retain a lot of that information or, Mm. yeah? I'd say definitely. Yeah. Um, my undergrad, I, you know, again, I was, I loved literature, so, and I still do. I'm, 
absolutely always reading if I'm not working and having to parent and things like that. But um, things that, things that I have to do, yeah. Right. <laughs> so my nose is always in a book. And um, I, at that time, you know, I, I just was so excited about everything I was learning. So psychology is fascinating, you know, how the human mind works, how we can create imbalances and then how we can correct for that when we learn different coping tools or techniques and things like that. Um, I saw a great movie last night. I don't know if you guys heard about that angst movie that yeah, just I came out. I did hear, yeah. but so what was it like? What oh, it was great. It you? Yeah, I, I really loved it. And it was that, um, it was more focused on teens. So it was just teaching younger people how to understand and cope with anxiety. Okay. And I would say that I've seen that in the last, I'd say the last 10 years, it's really huge increase in the amount of people dealing with anxiety disorders and especially really young people like people under the age of 20 uh, I don't know I have my theories of why that's all happening but I just think it's something we need to talk more about so I really was excited to to see that come to Vernon and and have that opportunity to, to witness it and it was sold out which was pretty cool so it's pretty cool mm-hmm. I did hear a lot of good feedback about that movie yeah do you care to share any of those theories of why you think anxiety is oh so much? well you know I feel like our culture has sped up so much I really think people feel that there's no time to just pause and rest um I think there's uh, a lot of expectations put on really young people at an early age. You know, one of the examples they used was, you know, a grade three student worrying about college, you know, like, (coughs) am I going to get into college? Where am I going to go to college? So that kind of thinking is so foreign to, you know, a generational go. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, I I just feel like that's part of that. There's so much expectation and, and people are just, they're burdened by it. So when you're constantly thinking about what else you should be doing or what you didn't do right uh it just it just starts to weigh on your on your psyche i think so yeah i think i think you hit it right on the dot whenever Mm -hmm. i think about it i think of expectations people Mm -hmm. whether they're expectations created by you or expectations from other people it's it always seems to come down to like fear of failure Mm -hmm. and not necessarily like fear of failure for yourself Mm -hmm. fear of who are you afraid to fail in front of Mm-hmm. Did you ever go through any mm-hmm. like situations through university and stuff like that where you were going um, through like I think I was I was pretty lucky when I was in my undergrad I was I was a good student um, I would say medical school definitely pushed buttons because there's a there's a <laughs> philosophy of um, doctor heal heal thyself when you're in medical school so to really look at some of the things that hold you back from being the person you want to be so whether that's your history or your your belief system or the limits that you set for yourself it, it really is a way to kind of make you face your demons that doesn't mean it's it's always dangerous or hard or scary it's just that it's it's kind of putting a mirror up to you because when you sit with a person and you you get these intimate details from them about their life I really think you have to be in a, a really centered place in your own life to be able to do that well and if you're not then you often just are almost reflecting back to the patient what they're saying so when they're saying oh I have anxiety oh I do too you know that kind of thing so so it's not that we're all totally zen every moment of course but I think it's important to keep grounding yourself so that you can be present for those people that really need you so um so yeah I medical school was tough you know I have my my horror stories of cadaver lab and 
you know, pulling the old nighter because you didn't you didn't get the material when you should have. So now all of a sudden the, your feet are to the fire. Procrastination is not a great th- great thing in medical school. <laughs> so gotcha. um, <laughs> my adrenals were pretty much cooked by the time I, I graduated. So right. that was a good experience. But um, I think most of my colleagues came out the same way. It's it's pretty intense when you're in there, medical school in any way, whether it's um, chiropractic, <clears throat> naturopathic, dentist. Um, medical doctor I think it, yeah. it's a pretty intense program so oh, I can only yeah. imagine I mean there's a lot uh, a lot expected of mm-hmm. the students and stuff like that I mean you did yeah. a lot to, to get lot there learning. in the first place right mm-hmm. so yeah no that's an interesting uh it's an interesting point so clearly you've done a lot with school mm. um like lots of experience in it whether it was yeah. law, medical uh, undergrad degrees everything so with all that mm-hmm. do you share the same relationship you had with school then clearly school did very good by you back then do you share the same relationship for school now per se like do you mm. still think it's doing the same thing for uh the generations as it did maybe for you you know i think what has happened is um i think it really started to happen in the 80s is getting out of school with a degree didn't really mean anything like you you had all this education you were really intelligent in this field that you chose to study but to then think that you're going to leave and translate that into a career is, I think, even harder than it was when I was coming out of school. And I feel like educating-wise, definitely university and college is great, but it isn't for everyone. So I think there's a lot of really passionate people who are creating their own road into success. So to graduate from a medical school program, to graduate from any undergraduate program, I think you have to be really clear about what you want to do with that rather than just thinking that, well, I'm going to go and get a job as soon as I graduate. It just doesn't happen. You know, there's a lot of very highly educated people doing minimal work right now in this in this world that we're in. So, um, you know, my kids are getting older and I am a big believer in experiences. So I think, you know, I would love for them to go to college and, and you know, explore different ways of learning information. But... I'm certainly not going to be tied to that. Like if they come to me and they say, hey, we're going to go and travel the world for a year or two, or I think I might want to take a, a year or two and just kind of work in a couple of different fields and see what I like. I think that's great. I would much rather they did that than spend $50,000 in a year or two just kind of pushing papers around and drinking a lot of beer or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so that was taking the first year vacation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mom and dad funded. So. Yeah. And that was kind of personal for you too, right? Like if if you found all these experiences through traveling and the value mm-hmm. that it gave you, of course you'd want your kids to go through the same Absolutely. thing. So yeah. most people, when when people go on, on these trips, mm-hmm. they come home and they're like, it changed me. Ah. Well, it's such a vague term. It's such a yeah. vague thing that they're saying. So what for you, like can you boil it down to anything specific? What did all of that travel experience really, mm. really do for you? What did it solidify in your head that really helped you along? Mm. If you could boil it down. Yeah. I know that's no, kind a of great a tough question. question. but No, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think, I don't want to sound too altruistic, but I think you really see how people can suffer. And if there's a way that you can make a difference for people, <clears throat> that's a pretty amazing gift to have. So I feel like that is something that I really took home from that. I, I can remember so clearly situations like, I think just because it touched me so much, but orphanages where, you know, children literally had nothing and they're just living in a big room with 50 other little kids and, you know, everyone's sick. And it was just a real shock, I think. Like you just come from such a small environment and then to 
to really see people really suffering was a, a big eye-opener. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things I took from my travels. Um, I also just have such appreciations for other cultures. And, you know, we, we have this idea that the Western culture is, is dominant and the most important and right. the most knowledgeable, but it really isn't when you start to put your own beliefs aside and you can acknowledge people as as humans and to see what they believe and how they live their lives it's pretty powerful stuff so you know in our medicine we really respect different modalities so we don't have this right. concept that just because it's double-blinded placebo-controlled that that's the only thing that can help someone so right. I, I really think that also helps kind of shift my own belief systems and in ways of helping people so I will never discourage anyone from trying things. Like if it's something that they're excited about doing, unless I think it's going to cause harm, I would I would definitely encourage them to keep their eyes open. I'm always learning. I don't know everything. So if there's something that's really amazing that's helped someone, I want to learn about that. So, yeah. That's really I hope cool. that answers it. I, yeah, okay, absolutely. Good. Oh, that's <laughs> that's really cool. That's good. a great question. Awesome. So let's shuffle back. Yeah, okay. Out of medical school. Okay. Adrenals you don't maybe want to hear finally about those five get... years. No, okay. Adrenals, <laughs> adrenals finally. Oh no, were we through medical school? No, I want no, to you're confirm. Fine. All right, you're all right. fine. You're fine. You're fine. So adrenals are slowly starting to get, you know, back on track now. They're yeah. not as uh, exhausted as they were. So yep. where do you go from here? Um, well, we, my husband and I, both uh, finished school within about a year of each other. Um, Portland, Oregon was amazing. I love Portland. If you've never been, it's a great city. And, um, but it was inundated with chiropractors and naturopathic right. doctors because no one wanted to leave. So, right. um, we, and that's where all the schools were. That's where all the yeah. schools were. Right. Yeah. So my school was the, the oldest accredited naturopathic school in North America. So, and my husband's is, um, is also well known. So yeah, so we just decided to get out of Dodge. That was awesome. our plan. Um, we had gone down to school in the States in the late nineties and that's when the Canadian dollar had tanked. So it was just unfeasible to come back to Canada at that time because we had so much debt. So we both decided to stay in the States. So we, um, we hopped over to Boise, Idaho, and I always have to say Boise because everyone laughs when I, when they hear I was living in Boise. Um, (laughs) it's a gem. It really is. It's kind of a, a little, a little special spot in Idaho, but, um, it was a great city. So I spent three years there and I practiced with another naturopathic doctor who was my mentor and she was great such a a, lots of knowledge lots of um, generosity she really helped me to build a practice she taught me a lot about business management and patient management two things you don't really learn when you're in school you learn how to diagnose and treat but you don't actually learn how to go out and try to make a living from doing that and also how to communicate with patients so that they're engaged with what they're learning from you So that was a pretty great experience, and um, I think we would have stayed. Um, George W. got reelected, so we both thought, we want to get home, so we we packed our bags, and... uh, It was one of those situations, like... Donald Trump getting yes. elected. Yes. Oh my thing. lord! Like, oh, I, I could literally <clears throat> probably hire fifty naturopaths right now to come here from uh, the states because of Mr. Trump. Really? So, oh, it's, it's such a hard situation down there. So, 
do you want to talk politics? Should we get into politics? Yeah. No. Well, if you want to I mean, talk we, politics, we no, I don't like all. talking about stuff I don't know about. So no, not at all. I know squat I mean, about politics. We can, we can always talk about things like that as it relates to the field yeah. that we're in, though, right? Like we're yeah, we're talking about naturopathic medicine yeah. as a as a concept, of course, and how it relates to politics, and that's still fair game. But it's oh, it's up to you, right? So no, but politics has its own divisive factor. But mm-hmm. anyway, so so Boise. Was, Boise was, was uh, Boise was great. Yeah, it was great to cut your teeth and and really just learn how to how to build a, a practice and and how to communicate with patients. That's kind of what I really took from that experience. And um, yeah, so when we were ready to leave, uh, we decided to come back to BC. Of course, both of our families are in this area, right. and weren't sure where we we're going to be. So we decided to come to the Okanagan. It's a place I've always loved. We used to travel through here when I visit my grandparents in the Kootenays and um, really loved Vernon. That was kind of where I, I wanted to be, but was totally open to being anywhere in this in this belt. Right. And um, yeah, so we decided Vernon was it. And we, we came here, oh goodness, uh, yeah, that would have been 12 years ago now. So yeah, so it's been really great. Been a good ride. It has been. It's excellent. You guys are both sick today. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we're both struggling. Apologies <laughs> to everybody, uh, coughing away, and uh, oh well. I mean, it is what it, it is, is. But yeah. we we didn't want to miss this, obviously. So yeah, thanks, I don't guys. know about you, Shelby, but I'm not sick, so don't even. Uh, don't even it's do it's that. like it had to happen on the the day that we have a doctor. Yeah, I know. I, know. I could have brought you things. We could have done a little on on site uh, yeah. plan today. Potion totally. mixing. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So you guys came to the Okanagan. What mm-hmm. happened from there? Where did you guys, yeah. what, what led you to, to now? Because it's now. been 12, 12 years? 12 years, yeah, yeah 12 years. Um, well, when I came back uh, to BC, we weren't sure where we we're going to be, so didn't really have anything lined up. And um, we decided to take a, a leap of faith and, and be in Vernon. So there was a job opportunity that I had looked into and um, kind of headhunted that out a little bit. And it, it definitely was a great opportunity to start in Vernon Inn. So that was where I landed. And at the time, I was actually pregnant with my second. And my uh, daughter was unexpectedly born with quite a serious brain injury. Um, she had had a stroke when she was born. So really not a lot of great information was coming out of the, the medical system about you know, what things were going to look like for her. So right. um, my hubby made the decision that he wouldn't practice. He would be a stay-at-home dad. So being a chiropractor, he had all that background in, in physiology and um, he could do kind of our own physiotherapy at home with her. So that was a great gift for the whole family to have awesome. him be able to do that. So, and she's doing well. She definitely still has struggles, but uh, she's a tough monkey. And um, yeah, comes from very tough parents. She does. Well, she's she's a oh my goodness, you should have her on someday. No, (laughs) she's a (laughs) she's a fighter. She's a fighter. Yeah, Yeah, she's a cool kid. Um, So yeah, so that was that was lovely that we had that experience to have my Ryan to be able to stay home with her. So I started working with uh, a clinic here in Vernon and. Did about a year with them, and it, it just wasn't a great fit. So okay. I decided that it was a good idea to, to find something else. So at that time, uh, another doctor and I were working together, and we both decided to leave together. So we created Okanagan Natural Medicine, and that was such a great experience, and it was my first time really being my own business owner. So... Um, 
that was a, a, a business that we really expanded. So we went from just being the two of us practicing together to moving into a real large space with uh, a lot of practitioners that were working with us. It was one of the first kind of collaborative medical centers in the North Okanagan. It was sort of modeled along things that I had seen when I was practicing in Portland. So gotcha. it seemed so you had sort, sort of, of that mental model. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, definitely. Gotcha. Yeah. And at the time it seemed kind of new-ish to BC. So that was neat. How was that leap to the business world after, you know, being uh-huh. in school, being, you know, under an, mm. an, an employer, however it was, how yeah. was that leap? Did you find it difficult at first? Did it mm-hmm. take a little bit to gain traction or did you find that you were yeah. right in your element from the start? No, I'd, I'd say it was definitely scary. Like it, it went from being, you know, kind of in a, a safe setting where you, you kind of knew you were going to get some patients and there was going to be a paycheck at the end of the day right. to all of a sudden all the cost of starting a business and being the the sole breadwinner you know there was no other person kind of making sure that you know we could pay the rent that month that kind of thing so no it was definitely really kind of hard at first um I was really thankful at the time because I had a, a patient that had seen me struggling when I was working at that clinic that I was originally in and really was compassionate and, and introduced me to a, a mentorship group of entrepreneurs. And it was um, women who were really doing well in their businesses and they were sort of expanding and allowing new members to come in that were you know, more startups. And that mentorship really made a huge difference for me. So I would literally be like driving home crying in my car after <laughs> one of the days that I would be at my other clinic. And um, they really gave me that, that nudge to say, you know, you can do this on your own. So it was, it was a really challenging time. Like financially it was scary. It was scary because of some of the legal implications of leaving that clinic. Um, there was a lot of things that kind of came later after that that I dealt with well and, and luckily came out on the right side of things. Right. But um, it was a little bit scary, a little touch and go there for a bit. And um, yeah, that first clinic was was very small, but again, starting from the ground up. So thankfully, I had patients that were following me. So I knew there would be people that I would see that I had seen previously. To just start from the ground up without having any base, I think that would have been a lot more terrifying, really. So oh, totally, mm-hmm. yeah. Not to dissuade people from following their dreams, but my goodness, it's it's a lot when you're just being responsible for everything and everyone. Well, I think it's important for people to know what they're getting into mm-hmm. as well. I mean, in nutrition school, I I was in class with a lot of people that mm-hmm. you know you would hear their goals and you, we saw the business plans that everybody put put forth and stuff mm-hmm. like that of businesses they were going to start and I'm, I'm not even sure if any if any did start them because it's oh. you know it's what I find is very easy to put something on paper but once you actually get out there and you see how many steps it actually takes mm-hmm. to get it rolling it's it's, it's incredibly difficult I mean yeah. how long did it take us I mean we procrastinated as well but how long <laughs> did it take us to get this podcast going right Wait, I mean we started talking in October and oh, we're really? now March yeah March 1st, March 1st I think we had yeah. hoped to have it like end of or like mid-December and it was like yeah, very quickly like can't do mid-December it's ridiculous <laughs> which is what happens though like yeah and I'm sure you had the same thing it's like holy holy crap holy there's a yep. lot of stuff to deal with here and oh, once yeah. you once you get over that wall once you get past it I mean yes it's 
it's That's very exciting. rewarding. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. very exciting. It's yeah. very nice. But totally. yeah, mm-hmm. the, the difficulty right at the beginning, like the, the hard times you have to go through, like you said, the, oh, yeah. the, the driving home in, in tears, the mm-hmm. not knowing if you're going to make ends meet. It's, mm-hmm. it's a big struggle, struggle. So I think people need to know what they're getting into when mm-hmm. they want to, because yes, it's exciting to follow your dreams. There's yeah. nothing more rewarding than it, mm-hmm. but people it's need to know what they're getting steps. into with the with with the action set steps exactly mm-hmm. comes with the cost it always yeah. does yeah and i would i would always encourage people to you know find mentors you know it, it maybe doesn't have to be in your field but you know just people who have gone through some of the steps that you're now embracing so you know whether that's as small as getting a business license or understanding how you're going to attract so people to you um i think a lot of small businesses fold in the first year because they just throw cash at everything and you know they're not even clear about what their their purpose is or the who they're trying to attract to their business so um yeah it is it's a lot of it's a lot of planning and a lot of a lot of steps that you want to make sure you have in place so yeah so that that was um that was a big endeavor and it was it was great to have a business partner I think that kind of just took some of the the weight off your shoulders you didn't have to make sure all the staff got paid just because you had a a busy week or something like that right. so um so that was that was pretty pretty good so that was uh, a couple of years okanagan natural medicine i think oh <laughs> it's all good the there little, it is. little auto timer <laughs> the classic lights out the on the small town wealth. oh yeah. no that's funny we could do it in the dark that'd be yeah, funny totally. um you could ask me really hard questions then so i couldn't yeah. see you um we <laughs> we uh we kept okanagan natural medicine open for i think about six years so okay. yeah wow. so that was great and um and then in that time we uh we went into a, a much bigger space lots of practitioners and and then it just kind of came to a, a point where we could see that there was different visions of what we wanted to be creating and right. it was very amicable but it was it was a good decision for things to kind of go their own way so that's kind of how vero health got birthed if you will was just uh, kind of a, a next step in in my own business moving forward so that's really it's cool in four years if I'm four not years right. yeah i was driving here thinking i think it's march that i started wow. so probably need to have some balloons or something this yeah. week so. you're coming up on the uh five-year anniversary i know uh, i know it's very exciting yeah That's, so you guys had different visions and we don't need to mm-hmm. go with um you know like this one versus this one but sure. what vision did you have that maybe this other person didn't have or mm. you know not that that was a detriment to them because obviously um, it was amicable, which is always great in business yeah. to be able to to split without that animosity affecting mm-hmm. you guys. So, what visions yeah. did you have? What did you want to do differently from that that past position? Um, to, to I current? think you know part of it was just dynamics of uh, the people that were getting involved in the business and okay. some of the the think the thinking behind that. And um, I felt like it was a really easy, compatible situation that we were in, but it just just more moving parts were coming into it so for me it was just clarity around you know I I'm happy with what I'm doing I don't really feel like I need to branch off into these new ventures and uh, what what I had created for my business was was really supporting me so what I decided was I I wanted to keep that big space and uh, a lot of the practitioners that had been with me had kind of been moving along in their own paths part of what kind of led to that decision to go our own ways was we had been 
bringing in other doctors to kind of be mentored and to hopefully stay and, and build a practice that we could oversee and, and also right. be supported by. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out that way. Um, the, the people that were coming in were great doctors, great people, but just not that committed to being in Vernon and not necessarily committed in the same way that I had been when I started my practice. So just seeing different visions of what they wanted their their practices to be. So it was a bit of a heartache. You know, there was a lot of um, people coming in that, that didn't have a good fit, and okay. that kind of was part of the decision that you know what this is this is probably a good time if we're going to do this let's let's do this now so um so that was that was a learning curve for me I I had always assumed you know bringing in associates and having all these different people working for me I always called it the Noah's Ark I I wanted two of everything under one roof and collaborative and everybody's kind of supporting each other and sharing ideas and it it just didn't turn out that way so yeah so that was that was a bit of a bitter pill, but it was also a great opportunity to get refocused on my practice and what my abilities and strengths were and and what I wanted to be doing. So, so you reevaluated the whole thing. And yeah. this was between uh, that last business and Vero Health, correct? Yeah, I, I think there was sort of a bleed through because I I I definitely in the last year have really gotten that clarity around what I really want to be doing. Um, I kept the old space. It was, like I mentioned, a a really big space. So there was a lot of rooms, lots of people, Um, lovely people, but lots of turnover, you know, people moving, people having babies. Women are always having babies. Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) and uh, yeah, and we just really uh, got to this place where, you know, my my rooms weren't as busy as I needed them to be. So, and I, I felt like I was doing a lot of cheerleading you know like helping people making sure everyone was getting patience and trying to problem solve for people so so you were in more of the managerial role than you wanted to be yeah yeah and I also felt like it had also been a little bit of um an incentive for for people to come in and and build practices and and learn and then take that information and then use it in their own way Mm. just like I had done as well a stepping stone type deal I got you yeah so and so when I look back at when I first started I I, I probably need to send uh, my mentor some flowers because she really helped me to learn a lot, and then I, and then I left town. So, um, you put a lot of energy into people to really help them, you know, learn their skills and, and build their practices. So, so yeah, so that was that was a big um, opportunity to kind of reassess things. And um, throughout these years, I've been getting all that mentorship, so it was really good just to be questioned and go back to the drawing board and say, okay, what do you really want? And, right. you know, do you, do you want this the same way that you did? And um, at the time when I was Okanagan Natural Medicine, we had considered actually taking that business and and sending it into other communities. So like having multiple locations and things like that. Oh, like a franchise so, angle. Like a franchising, okay. yeah. Yeah, so the McDonald's of naturopathic world. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> no, not McDonald's. It's like the antithesis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, exactly. So um, yeah, so that, that kind of came to a conclusion for me, which was good. It was a good opportunity to, to reassess. So. And so you've recently changed the direction of mm-hmm. Vero Health as it, as it was. So yeah. you've completely... Da- is downsizing the right word? Yeah, it is. I, I'd love to find like, a new word because everyone yeah. thinks downsized like, oh, you're in trouble. And, yeah, you know. <laughs> that's the thing. That's why I didn't want to say it necessarily yeah. because it has that connotation of being like, oh, you weren't successful with a big exactly. business. It wasn't. It was. Yeah. Sounds what like is, it wasn't that you were successful. What is the word for when seniors live in a big house and they decide, 
it's downsized. It's they decide to downsize yeah. into like an. I don't think That's it should be a negative. They're old. No, it shouldn't. No. So <laughs> yeah, what simplifying. Was, simplifying. Is it, is it older? Right. Is it like comfortable and don't need to like, don't need all maybe. of that anymore? Right. That's and a better like way to think about it. Maybe that's where that's yeah. where you got to. You got yeah. to a point where you were really comfortable and happy with what you were doing, mm. and you wanted to do more and be better at just mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I I think downsizing is probably still the the best way. Positively to frame downsizing. It. Yeah. Positively downsizing. Not tuck my tail downsizing. PD. Yeah. We're going to abbreviate it. <laughs> we're doing it. Okay. We're awesome. starting a new thing on the Small Town World podcast. You can hashtag that today. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hashtag PD, Hashtag everybody. PD. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, awesome. So what benefits has that provided you then? What, mm. How has that affected not only your business but your family? Because these are all encompassing decisions a lot of the time. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I think probably for me it was just getting to a place of uh, simplifying my routine, um, my expectations from myself, my uh, my needs from my my staff, my community. Um, we were able to take that 4,000 square feet and move it into 1,500 square feet. Wow. And that was a huge relief. Like it just felt like I had, had taken this big weight off my shoulders. And literally like, you know, the, um, the overhead and the staffing and all the things that go along with such a big, big space. And for me, it was also... Um, an opportunity to really get focused on what I do well and what really takes care of my patients. So when you have all your fingers in these different spaces, some people are brilliant at that, but I felt getting burned out from doing all that. So it was really me taking care of me to do the downsizing. And by doing that, I I think I really have more to give because I'm not feeling so literally tired, like not, not like I can't sleep tired, but just like weary you know just kind of burned out inside well there's all those moving parts Mm -hmm. all the red tape and all that stuff that comes with such a big location and so many things there's you have to you you can't not pay attention to Mm -hmm. it because then the business would collapse yeah definitely like as the boss you just can't go you know i'm out of here you know like you have to you have to be responsible and there's a lot of a lot of moving parts that you're responsible for so um it's it's been yeah it's been really a lovely experience just to kind of simplify so I I feel I was I was sharing with you guys that I I took a vacation a little while ago and it was wonderful like I just felt like I was like oh you know I'm on the beach (laughs) and I don't have to go check email 10 times today because I'm okay and my patients are going to be fine until I get back but I don't have to worry about someone else having a problem that I need to to figure out for them so no fires put out no fires it was brilliant yeah it was really nice so well, Lots clearly, whatever you're doing is paying off like crazy. I oh, don't know if you know, Shelby, thanks, but I went to go see. Uh, I went to see you in December or, or when we spoke last, uh-huh. and I said, I, I don't know if you remember, but I asked you. I said, Hey, are you maybe seeing any patients right now? Like, when would you be able to fit me yeah. in if I wanted to come in for a <laughs> checkup? Week. And you're we'll like, come in next week. <laughs> I was, that's what I was expecting. I was like, yeah. Oh, maybe like at the most, she'll be like, Oh, 14 days. She's like, Yeah, I'm booking into February right now. And I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> holy smokes! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I'm a busy girl. Yeah. Yeah, and I do work. I, I don't want people to think I'm like two days a week or anything. No, she no, definitely yeah. works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's um it's been awesome. So yeah, I, I really have tried to commit to that four day work week. I, I really think that nurtures me, but I spent a good day today, you know, in my office figuring out stuff. I just joined Instagram this morning. I'm like I saw that, the yeah. last human being on Instagram, I'm sure. So. I haven't had a G yet. My no. phone's up there. So. Small, small yeah. town waltz all over it. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'm, um, I'm just uh, really, yeah, I'm really enjoying just 
the the ability to kind of see the people that I see and I'm so thankful for the referrals and and the people that are coming back because they they feel like they're getting care so um it's been it's been really awesome so so one question I have before we kind of segue into some yeah. of the some of the things that you're doing right now and what sure. you're maybe looking to do in the future is I'm really curious about how you've seen the medical industry change. Mm. I mean, we had Brian Martin on the show, um, oh, yeah. radio host, and he was saying, like, he was just giving us a fascinating story of how radio has changed in the past, like, 30 oh, years. Oh, I can yeah. imagine. The changes yeah. it's gone through, right? So yeah. tell us a little bit about, like, what kind of things you've seen as you've progressed through Mm-hmm. The, the medical system it's been what 12 years no um 17 now so 17 17 wow. so, i know yeah, so there you go so it's you've seen time. so you've seen a lot obviously uh-huh. so what kind of what kind of stuff has changed what kind of trends maybe have come up that more people are embracing now oh that's a great question yeah i i think you know what i'm really seeing is um in my field of course like naturopathic medicine is still I don't think well understood like I know people come to me because they've been told to come to me like they've been referred or I've helped someone with a condition and now their their relatives are coming in because they have something similar right. but even those patients don't usually even know what it is that I do they're just there because they heard that someone got helped so I, I feel like what's really shifted in medicine in the last five or ten years is this conception of integrative medicine so when I do conferences, I, I go all over North America to learn more and get my continuing ed. And some of the big conferences that I go to, like down in the States especially, you will have a room full of doctors and you would assume that, oh, okay, it's natural hormone therapy or something like that, so it's going to be all naturopaths. But it's actually about 80% medical doctors. And it's so enlightening to get to see these physicians who are very passionate about what they do, but they're embracing that there's more to learn. So they're not as opposed to the idea that maybe nutrition can help their patients or maybe there's an herbal medicine that they could be using instead of a drug. So the concept that we could consider using both the alternative medicine world and the conventional medical world and finding something that could be very compatible, sort of a hybrid. I joke that probably by the time I'm finished practicing that there will be that in the medical model. Like there will be an integrative medical school or there will be graduates that come out with both a dual MD, ND. Um, That's kind of what I I see really changing. Um, I have some good friends that I went to school with that were medical doctors and they had decided to go to naturopathic school. They just didn't feel like they had got that whole person approach. So they were ER docs and gastroenterologists and, and people like that. So there is definitely an acceptance, I think, that's brewing. You see more of it in the United States. I don't know if that's just because they're a bigger population, there's more exposure or... Right, gaining traction exponentially mm-hmm. that way. Yeah, definitely. So that, that's been kind of my experience in the last few years. Um, I also think there's such a change, of course, with the internet. Like, you know, here we are doing this pretty cool podcast my first one ever and um woo, one for the girls too yeah. <laughs> um and uh and i i really think there's so much more educated patients out there now so right. you used to see people come in 15 20 years ago and they didn't know much about what was going on in their body but 
you know, we call it Dr. Google. Like they go home now and they research things. So self-diagnose. Yeah, on sometimes, yeah. sometimes. <laughs> but it can be helpful. I mean, you, Absolutely. you still need that second bit of guidance, but yeah. at least it can point you towards the right thing. No, sometimes. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I, I think you need to be cautious because there's, everyone has an opinion out there on, on right. Dr. Oh, Google. On the forums <laughs> and everything. Yeah. Oh, you can, you can really are, scare yeah. your pants off yourself. So. Oh, they are. I had a headache yeah. the other day and I, uh, I self-diagnosed on WebMD. Turns out I have brain cancer. Say, did yeah. you have a pituitary yeah. tumor or something? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so that that definitely is um, such a, a neat thing to see. So I, I encourage it. Like I really love educated patients and people who are engaged with right. being well. So I won't pretend to know all. And I think if you come to me and you, you've got some ideas, the things that you want to try, great. Let's Let's go for it. Let's see what we can do to get you well. So that, that's really changed. And then the other thing I would say that really has changed, and you, you guys are guys, is men. Men are actually starting to ask more questions about their health. I really would say in the last five, ten years that that's been a huge change in my, in my patient base. Um, previously, I would say most patients I would see would be women, children, but I would guess now probably 35% of my, my patients are, are men. Wow. And that's such a shift. So, and that's and it's not. Um, it is, and I think again, it's just men are starting to be more appreciative that they want to feel well. You know that that grumpy old man syndrome that older men can get into, and yeah. younger guys being proactive with their health. So it's it's really exciting, and I think again such an opportunity to get people feeling better at a younger age and then helping them as they get older. So yeah, it's so really that's cool. cool to see that that angle because I. I've been really interested in this health stuff for, for such a long time. And yeah. you just, um, my partner right now is a, is a registered nurse and she works oh, at the hospital. And, great. and so some of the stuff I hear is, um, you know, not necessarily, I don't want to speak for her or for, you know, the people she works with or anything like that, but mm-hmm. it really sometimes seems like there's this, there's this, um, you, you're caring for the symptoms. Mm-hmm. You're not dealing with the larger issues. Right. And Get to the root. just yeah. some of the stats that I've heard, and, and yeah, they, these are just thrown out. I don't have a source for them, but mm. most people that go into a hospital end up more malnourished than when mm. they went in. Mm-hmm. They Like when they leave, they end mm. up more malnourished than when they went in. Mm-hmm. And for me, it, it doesn't seem like, like patient care, and I can't imagine that there's there's a lot of naturopathic doctors in the hospital system. Is, no. <laughs> so are you hoping None. for that day that that's, that becomes a thing where mm. MDs and NDs actually marry together and form that integrative medicine? Or do you think it's all going to become one thing? Like what, what is your grand yeah. vision or what do you think is the most likely with that? Because there's, there's, there does need to be a change because it's Definitely. not patient care if you're just yeah. treating the symptom or treating, you know, you, they had a heart attack, so you put a stint in, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's complications back to the same thing. Stuff. Yeah, this diet doesn't change. Yeah, uh, medications don't change. So what what do you want to see? Mm-hmm. You know, I I would love to see something where there is that compatibility. So whether it's just total integration, and you know what we learn in naturopathic school, and what your medical doctors, GPs learns, just kind of is a hybrid, or if it is more of that working together Um, I think that's very difficult currently like I think the political climate is really still very challenging 
I, in the States, again, you know, there are lots of colleagues of mine that are practicing in, in hospitals. You know, they work in oncology, they work in pediatrics, like they are literally working side by side. And again, such a huge population base, more opportunities. Um, we see more nurse practitioners starting to come into Canada. That's never existed until the last, I'd say, last 10 years or so. And that's such an essential service. It is, yeah. And that's, you know, that's why I stipulated that I don't Mm -hmm. I don't want to speak for them because the service that they provide is Mm -hmm. it's unparalleled it needs to happen yeah definitely Um, I'm just kind of speaking on the broader the Mm -hmm. broader sense of things right yeah I think there is a shift like I think it will always come down to what people want and what people ask for so you vote with your dollars you know if you are telling your legislation you're telling your local MLA that this is something that matters to you it is going to start to happen. And I think there is a, a tide of interest in natural medicine. You know, you just have to look at how many people are shopping in supplement stores and how many people are going online to these blogs and websites and asking questions for natural alternatives to conventional medication. And I really think we are in this shift of the, the sick care to health care. So right. people are looking at, well, you know what? My dad had a heart attack. I don't want to have a heart attack. So what yeah. can I do? And unfortunately, our system is very symptom-based. So there isn't a lot of time with a patient to sit and talk about, well, what's your diet like? What's your stress level like? like you know, we, we have a very confined medical system in terms of how much time a doctor can spend with a patient. So that's one of the things that I'm lucky enough to be able to do. Like I spend an hour with a new patient. We cover everything. You know, you really get to dig into some things. And and some people come in and say, oh, you know, I don't really have a lot. But once you start asking them questions, they're like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I have that. And, oh, yeah, I've worried about that. So, you know, you're kind of like a book where you start to just open up the chapters and see all these things that are happening. And, um, you know, going back to your question, I, I really hope that, there will be that integration because I really think that's what's best for the patient. Whether or not we're going to see that soon, it, it's really hard to tell. So I feel like more patients now know that they have extended health benefits, so they're starting to access other kinds of care. Right. So that's really been uh, so those very exciting. So recognized. A lot of medical plans, uh, the ones that I have for uh, for my employees is naturopathic medicine is oh, great. included in it now. So they're, that's great. Yeah, awesome. they're, great. they're starting to be included more and the mm-hmm. budgets of them are actually fairly high, which is yeah. which is great. It um, is. It's great to see. I I think honestly, just with you saying that you've seen it more at conferences and stuff like that, I think mm-hmm. we're going to start to see um, that integration happen a lot yeah. better. And that would that would honestly be phenomenal. That's one of the mm-hmm. things I was actually uh, always passionate about when I was in mm-hmm. nutrition school as well. Is like kind of I would I would have loved to have been able to, and I still might be able to see it, but I would love to be able to see, like you said. Mm-hmm. a a dual approach where we blend eastern and western medicine because Mm. truly both have their places definitely yeah i mean sometimes you do need to treat the symptoms right away sometimes you do need to um have that surgery right away quickly to prevent it but right let's also have that conversation that you were talking about Mm -hmm. there where we look deeper and okay what is this symptom telling us about the body Mm -hmm. because the symptom is not the problem the symptom is just signaling a bigger issue and the the best metaphor I heard for this was um it's basically like your body is a car oh yeah I love that one and yeah yeah when clicked with me too when there's like yeah yeah, when there's a cancer or something that goes wrong in the body it's an engine light or a mechanical light that comes on it's indicating that there's an issue at hand Mm -hmm. 
well what are most doctors doing in hospitals unfortunately mm. it's they're unplugging the engine light mm. and it's like okay you're good to go now yeah. it won't bother you anymore yeah the they're either cutting out up. the tumor or they're trying to stop it right where it is they're stopping the symptom yeah, yeah. not realizing that Let's let's go back to the metaphor. If your mechanic did that, you would fire him immediately. Yeah. Well, yeah, because then the drive cycle kicks in. It takes like three drives, and then you know maybe tonight, maybe two days down yeah. the road, it yeah, comes same back. engine light comes on. Oh yeah. Like, oh, well. Or because it's not treated, because you're not dealing with the underlying issue, mm-hmm. more problems start to arise. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I find a lot of drugs are doing. Like yes, there are some that are beneficial and can help the people, and they can treat acute symptoms. Oh, but absolutely. Yeah. There totally. are others that just they not only mask the symptom mm-hmm. so that more symptoms arise because the body's now, okay, well, you block that one. Let me show you that something else is wrong now too so you can actually look deeper. Yeah. But now they come with these massive lists of side effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of scary when you hear the commercials. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the commercial is 10 seconds and yeah. then the remaining 15 <laughs> to 20 seconds is them listing off the side effects faster yeah. than you can even listen. Yeah, definitely. This it's will help your heart crazy. attack. Also could lead to death. <laughs> yeah. yeah, side effects include... That's, that's lovely, yeah. Maybe kid, Kidney and, failure, yeah. liver failure, yeah. <laughs> skin disorders, cancer, death... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love the car analogy. I use that one all the time with my guys because yeah. they get it. Like they get that one. They're like, oh, That's yeah. That's an easy yeah. one for us to connect <laughs> with. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The other one is if you think about your body being like a really nice vehicle. I don't know what your guys' dream cars are. Let's Lamborghini it or something like that. Lamborghini. But um, our, our conventional system is, you know, we're just going to drive that thing until we pull over to the side of the road because there's a big problem. So if we could do the preventative maintenance like you That's would. True. Yeah then maybe you're going to get a better ride. And it, it's such a foreign concept in healthcare to do prevention. So it's so simple when you break it down like that and you compare yourself to a car. But I, I just think our system of medicine, that's not how we're educating our patients. So, right. so it's just kind of that, yeah. again, it's that paradigm shift that you want to look at. That's so, a phenomenal metaphor. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Just because like, it truly is just that. Our bodies are phenomenal machines and we need yeah. to look after them if we want them to perform optimally. Definitely. It's, it's the difference between the guy that takes it, like you said, the guy that takes his car to the shop yeah. once or once every three months, once a quarter, mm-hmm. four times a year or whatever, yeah. to get totally, it maintained, totally. oil change, yep. check up on everything, That's make yep. sure it's working optimally. And then there's the other people that, you know, they, they, they drive, drive it, it, into it the until <laughs> there's no yeah. oil left. And yeah. you take it to the mechanic, oh, you've got no oil left. Oh, geez, that's yeah. weird. I wasn't even thinking <laughs> about yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> What's an oil change? Exactly. <laughs> so I want to be a little more specific now. Yeah, okay. Uh, in your opinion, and this could be almost too specific and opinion-based hmm. maybe, but... Um, I want to go into like maybe two or three foods that mm. you would that you think people should be eating more of. Oh, and okay. And two or three foods that you think people should be eating less of. From sure. your own personal experience, from your medical knowledge, from all of that, um, yeah. just give us give us your views. Oh, good. That's a good question. Um, so food is food is medicine in my world. You know, what you're putting in every day is literally what your body is doing everything with. So, you know, all the enzymatic activities, every function in your body requires those nutrients that you're absorbing. So if we think about food as medicine instead of just food as calories in, calories out, or, hmm, I really love the taste of that and I'm going to eat it anyhow – it's not to give up everything that you love, like your bag of chips, but it's just to know that day to day, if you're not consciously putting good things in, you're not going to get good results. So I have to say some of my favorite things personally, as well as professionally, are 
everything that's bright. So I always say if a bug would eat it, that's what you should be eating. So if you think about your fruits and veg, it's such a such a uh, common thing to talk about, but yet we don't really do it very well. Um, for me, most patients come in and they have a good sense of what they should eat. So I just try to tweak it a little bit rather than making everything feel like it's totally difficult to change your diet. Just right. do one thing. So berries are amazing. Like fruit is great in general, but berries pack such a punch. So especially the really bright colored ones, the deep pigment ones. So right. blueberries and blackberries. Um, those are really wonderful, not only for the vitamin C, but for the flavonoids. Uh, there's so many chemical processes that are enhanced when you use those antioxidants. So that's one thing that I would definitely recommend. Um, plant-based oils are also phenomenal, as well as fish oil, if you're not eating a vegetarian vegan diet. So when we talk about plant-based oils, we mean things like nuts and seeds and olive oil and coconut oil and and all of those um fish oil is a challenging thing i feel like a lot of people are trying to do well but they don't really know much about the fishing industry they don't really know much about you know what to be avoiding and what try to eat more of so if you're picking up that really nice looking salmon at, at costco i can absolutely guarantee you that that's farmed fish and is full of dye to make it look that you know really beautiful pink color that's not a healthy critter. You don't really want to be ingesting that if you if you can okay. avoid it. Um, so you know, seek out things like wild fish if you can find it. it it's available in Vernon. You just have to look. Right. So no more fish, Shelby. Yeah, no more fish. It, well, you know, some fish is lovely, but you know, we all know the tuna stories. Well, so am I supposed to tell you? <laughs> yeah. Are you yeah. a fish eater? Or are you no, not? No, no, not at all. I, oh, I don't eat meat. He's I have oh, you're while, plant based. So, yeah. Okay, awesome. I'm, I'm like kind of ninety five percent. I'm not. Yeah. Vegan. I'm not, you know, you'll, you'll catch me eating cheese here and there, mm-hmm. um, but I tend to stay away. I've eaten plenty of meat in my life, but sure. it's been about six or seven years out of the 25 I've mm-hmm. been alive. I've been okay, that's vegetarian awesome. Vegetarian or almost vegan. Almost vegan, basically. yeah. Yeah. yeah, so this is very interesting for me to Good. hear, but it's it's also challenging too because sometimes we can sh- stray in the social aspect of it. Yeah, definitely. Can be different. So. Uh, just to finish the question, what yeah. is number three? Number three. Okay, let me give him a good one. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say probably, again, if we're getting into the, the vegetable world, um, would be your cruciferous vegetables. So your broccolis, your cauliflowers, your Brussels sprouts, which my husband calls acid balls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> those are uh, awesome. those are excellent for so many things, but I particularly talk about them with women's health. Um, they're high in something called indole-3-carbonyl, which is a natural anti-estrogen um, blocker. So when we're thinking about breast cancer risks and estrogen dominance, which is linked to uterine cancers and, and PMS and things like that, okay. those are some really easy things that you can just bring into your into your meals. So you don't have to eat wax of it, and it could be cooked or it can be raw, but it's just one of those great things that has so many benefits and is simple. So, so those would be my top three for sure. Um, so the don'ts off the cuff, yeah. Oh, the you don'ts. don'ts. Oh, I don't like don'ts. Um, don't I think say, it's a little everything tough. is don't moderation. Say, don't say bacon. Our <laughs> audio <laughs> intern Clinton yeah, will be crushed. Oh, no, Clinton. <laughs> He'll like put a mustache on me when you when you post this. <laughs> yes. um, you know, I'm married to. Uh, well, my family's carnivores, so I, yeah, I, I definitely know the benefits of bacon in my home. But yeah. um, I personally think you know, top three for me would be 
not to sound like a stereotype, but gluten. I, I have a bit of a, a hate on for gluten, personally. Um, that's I love been. Uh, do you love yeah. gluten? Oh, you yes, the sandwich shop. But you have the best gluten-free bread, though. That's you true. really do. That's you true. really oh, do. Oh yes, you have started eating the gluten-free bread. <laughs> I have. Bread. I was true. so excited when yeah. that came. Um, I, I find that again, grains are just an area that for some people are really inflammatory. So that isn't yeah. to lump them all into one group. Like I love quinoa and rice and things like that. But gluten tends to have a bit of a negative reaction for some people's intestinal tracts. So when we talk about gluten, we want to look at ancient grains if you're going to get into a lot of grain. Gotcha. Um, just like sprouted grains as Yeah, well? sprouted. Sprouted would be great. impact on you. So they do. They do. Yeah, it, it's just, again, it's almost like the body has that extra bit of help to be able to absorb it better. Okay. So um, the gluten piece, I think if you're eating gluten, you know, be really conscious of where you're getting it from. Like really good fresh bread is so different than going to buy a bagel down at, you know, the, the local fast food restaurant or something right. like that. So okay. so that I, I would keep an eye on. Um, you know, the, the concept around the hydrogenated oils. So right. when we get into... You know poutines and and all those oh, good I things i know <laughs> that's like my i don't want to scare people that's <laughs> like the one thing preventing me from going completely vegan is like poutine oh <laughs> well you know and one, and one of our favorite hydrogenated oils margarine margarine <laughs> oh yes that's a beaut you can use that to wax Shelby your car i can't believe it's not butter <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. oh no um yeah it's it's just one of those things that your your oils are so important for your body's nervous system so when okay. you're putting in the again use the car analogy like you're going to put the good grade in you don't want to put that low cheap stuff in gotcha. it's going to cause damage and irritation and inflammation so your plant-based oils and your fish oils like i said are are so helpful um, they're naturally high in those essential fatty acids and really can calm down inflammatory pathways in the body so so the hydrogenated oils do the opposite. So they just kind of stir up the beast a little bit. So not to take away from, yeah, enjoying some lovely French fries once in a while, but right. just you keep that keep in moderation. That. Yeah, okay. Well, and they, yeah. The oil that they're cooked in, yeah. uh, the quality of your cheese curd. Oh, yeah. It's, there's oh, yeah. vast differences, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's I some mean, lovely I, poutine I could, places I, in town. So I, I could tell yeah. you right now that I could make you a ridiculously good and healthy poutine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, well, you can even have good good vegetarian gravy oh like, yeah gravy nowadays Cashew. does not need, yeah, yeah it mm-hmm. doesn't need to be beef based you can make it on a mushroom you can make it oh yeah all kinds of stuff yeah we're canadian we can't not like poutine true that's true, pretty important that's it's a, true that's, that's, that's a symbol the, the of canada it's like man i can't just <laughs> yeah no it, and it's tough to find a good one too i mm-hmm. actually have to go to vancouver to get my Do favorite you? one so oh yeah. you have to give me a hint after we're done absolutely um i don't mind a good poutine occasionally um it's okay yeah you know everything in moderation you know i i think i I get this uh yeah once a day once a (laughs) day follow it with a nice next next shot or two of whiskey or something (laughs) next thing you know shelby's gonna be going off and he's gonna be saying Okay, guys. So I'm on this new diet. It's I'm, I'm actually a poutinitarian. This is yeah. a secret attempt yeah, to make totally. myself really busy. That's what I'm doing right now. Gained ten pounds, but it's mostly muscle. <laughs> it's just all around here. I've been doing lots of sit-ups. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Um, so and you know, number three, and last, last one, um, right, so you know, let's one. just pick on sugar because why not? Everyone, everyone loves sugar, and sugar does not love us. So, um, I did a, a movie a couple years ago with Nature's Fair that we we brought the sugar movie to town, and that was such a great opportunity for people nice. to just kind of gotcha. see something and not feel like they're being preached at, but just yeah. more of a learning opportunity. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Um, and you know, I definitely chocolate's my weakness. Everyone that loves me knows that. So I don't want to make sugar into this bad thing, but you do want to think about how much you're consuming and how often you're consuming it. So it can be very addictive and it really does change things neurologically. It changes the good bacteria in the digestive system. Um, I find that a lot of people don't really realize how much that it makes them tired because their blood sugar is just constantly spiking and crashing. So, so that's kind of another one that I would always love to support people to be more conscious around. So it's not about being black and white with anything, but just knowing and understanding like how does it affect them so now on the same lines as sugar because yes Mm -hmm. hypoglycemia is in an enormous factor right now in our society like the the rising and the the spiking and the dropping of Mm -hmm. of blood sugar so potatoes what do you think of potatoes oh don't (laughs) you know i'm not gonna be able to go home if i talk bad about potatoes um i i think potatoes are fine again in moderation so yeah it's, it's just it's just understanding that it is a carb, and we, we like to, in this paleo world, lump carbs all together. So there is differences in carbs, like good carbs and carbs that hit the blood sugar hard and fast. Potatoes so, are one of them. Well, are they, they are a little bit of a speedy <laughs> devil, but I think, again, if you're eating them with the skin on them, um, if you're using a, a like a baked potato, for example, and, and maybe really being conscious of some of the good stuff that you could put in there, that's going to slow down that blood sugar hit. I think that's probably a better fit than just going home and eating a big plate of mashed potatoes with butter all over them, which is also totally. quite yummy. But yeah, yeah, just something to be thinking about. I like the broccoli and that like melted cheddar stuff from yeah. Wendy's and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> I can't I say I've you, had that one, but I you know can what you're talking make, about. Make things, you know, no matter what food you like, you can make them pour. Well, you can North American up anything. North so that's, yeah. that's, that's college that's, college like student. That. Yeah, yeah, you can call it. You can make anything a pizza pocket if you wanted to. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. Personally, I love potatoes. Do I you? Like them. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. I, I agree. I totally agree with you. I mean, yeah. everything in moderation. I do notice that it, yeah. it's one of those foods where you feel like, whoa, there's a lump in here uh, after that, and and right. also it can extremely play a role in in uh, like spiking and crashing of blood sugar because. Yep. Yeah, it just it's it's one of those foods that like you said it's, it's one converter. of those yeah. one of those carbohydrates that just instantaneously right into yeah. sugar. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Do you have an opinion on the uh the paleo but more so like the ketogenic mm. craze yeah. how that's going on cuz I have my own opinions on it. Mm-hmm. Um but I also kind of want to know how that cuz you you talked about calories in calories out and it really mm-hmm. to me it seems like it's a manipulation of body mass mm. be it before anything. Yeah. Uh, what's your opinion on it? Are, are there really, do you feel that there are ways to do it mm-hmm. in a sustainable manner or like what, what is your opinion on it? Um, ketogenic is, is something that has come around again. So it, it was something that was quite popular, I think like in the late eighties, I believe. Um, it's in that ballpark of, you know, South beach and the all Atkins the Atkins and, and all right. of that. I think ketogenic can help people when they're really trying to 
create new habits. It isn't something that I would want people to stay on long term. I think, again, there's concern about kidney functioning, concern about liver functioning. Um, the ability for someone to stay on that long term, I think, is is pretty hard. I always say I'm just a whole foods advocate. Like, I would be thrilled if someone stops eating refined food to eat more of the vegetables and if they're meat eaters, more of the meat. Gotcha. Um, we want to always, you know, if we can, take it up a level in each of those categories. So if you're going to eat meat, can we make sure that it's ethically raised, healthy food? Right. Um, if you're going to eat fruits and veg, you know, is there some things that would be better if you could do organic? Um, that's that's a hard thing for a lot of people to embrace, just budget and constraints of finding it. So we want to really try to make sure that we can work with people where they're at. But yeah, ketogenic diet is is a challenge for sure. And I have lots of people who are very passionate about it and very passionate about their paleo diet and a lot of people very passionate about their vegan diet. So for me, I, I try not to have a hard and fast rule about you should eat this and you shouldn't eat that. Right. It's just trying to make sure that people are understanding nutrition and, and getting good food into their systems regularly. So, Whatever works for you kind of thing, right? Yeah, I meet you where you're at. Because I think, you know, people often come in thinking that I'm going to be like the food police. Like I'm going right. to sit there and you know, throw the hammer down because I saw you eat poutine at, right, know, at Wendy's. Right. So um, I want to make sure that you can you can start where you are and, and keep working on finding more and hopefully better sources for your food. So my question would be more like, yeah, what were you doing at Wendy's in the first place? <laughs> seeing me? me eat poutine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what were you doing there? <laughs> you should see people push their carts very quickly away from me when they're in superstore. Uh, seriously? <laughs> yeah. That's nature's awesome. fair. Like they turn the corner. Um, yeah. yeah, you don't want to run into me at the IPE. People run from me at the IPE. Oh, I'd, I'd, be the guy, I'd be the guy handing you a corn dog. Just here. Yeah. I'll be to have the poutine. See, I told you. Well, you. you know, my kids are probably eating poutine behind me. So, you know, like, let's yeah. not to worry about no, it too and that's, much. That's, that's what I like a lot about what you said is you're you're not going in with every patient you get. You're not going in to, like, completely ch- cut down and change yeah. exactly what they're doing. Your yeah. goal is, which I've always appreciated and loved, is... Hmm. Let's do small tweaks mm-hmm. where you notice some sort of difference because yeah. then it doesn't then it doesn't scar you. It doesn't mm-hmm. like traumatize you yeah. in the situation where you're like, oh, I'm never gonna try this again. This yeah. is a terrible experience. You get little little micro successes. It's mm-hmm. almost like just a small thing. Like for example, hey, you're putting milk in your coffee. Well, why don't you try putting like cream mm-hmm. in your coffee? See that little yeah. difference right there, right? So yeah, just fat. little yeah. like the mm-hmm. the tiny. I find that. Um, and I know that you're a huge advocate of this as well. I find that upgrading the ingredients mm-hmm. rather than completely swapping stuff out can all mm-hmm. a lot of the time make an even bigger difference. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, what you've done with your restaurant, just really embracing, like, making sure that you know where the source of your, your veggies is from. Like, it makes such a difference in how the food tastes. It makes such a difference in how your digestive system embraces that food. Um, I think it just it, it just has a different flow like not to sound too new agey but it it really does like how you eat is really going to change so many different functions in your system it gives gives you more balance it gives you more uh, energy more Mm -hmm. synergy all around everything seems to be working together and when you take that last bite and you feel full instead of feeling like 
oh, I need to go yeah, to sleep you now. Satisfied you feel like, you know what? I just refueled yeah. and I'm ready to go yeah. for another 500 kilometers. Yeah, or whatever I'm good to was, go. Right? So, yeah. 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 No, that's that's super, super empowering. Do you have yeah. any more questions on the food subject? I, I do. I do. Um, just something that you can give people because you mentioned, um, you mentioned the part about the convenience. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, very difficult to source out um, the ethical meat, the ethical mm-hmm. breads, um, yeah. these things. I mean, it's not necessarily hard in the modern world um, if you look hard enough. Mm-hmm. But what are little things that people can do to to increase that? Because yeah, that's one of the bet. largest arguments against uh, mm-hmm. eating healthy in general is the accessibility expense. and, yeah, and, the, and expense. the expense and the yeah. convenience of it. So what, yeah, what would you I, give them? I think, again, you really want to start where you are more comfortable. So... You know, something as simple as, you know, in the beautiful Okanagan, like we have such a great growing season here. So if you have even a small little balcony or something, like can you grow some of your own food? Seeds are cheap. um, Dirt's cheap. You know, you just have to kind of shift your your belief system about what it means to grow food. Um, I think more people are excited about that than they've ever been before. Like there's so many cool things going on. Like we have CD Saturday coming up in a couple of days uh, where there's seed swapping and things like that. So super cool. Yeah. So really neat. And farmer's markets. My goodness, we've got an amazing one in Vernon. Um, there's a great one in Kelowna. Like there's just so many opportunities Abundance. in the summer. Yeah. yeah. And, and when you get into the winter months, like, you know, I think there's also this shift in some of our ways of preserving foods and people are starting to go back to some of the things that maybe their grandparents used to do. So, you know, some of us are really busy. I don't have time to can peaches a lot of time, but you know, those are some really neat things that you could try. Totally. And, um, it, you know, for me, I, Oh, what, sorry? Fermenting, too. Yeah, yeah. fermenting is very, very interesting. There's so much passion about that for people and lots of courses that you can take if it's something that you're interested in and or online. Videos, yeah. yeah, yeah, goodness. But that's a podcast that... in itself, yeah. fermentation. Is it? Oh, you're <laughs> passionate about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm still getting my feet wet with that one. I know a lot of people that have been doing it for years. Um, and, you know, the other thing I try to I try to get people to think about is, you know, when you, when you use healthy food as something that you're just starting to get used to um think about your budget because we think nothing about going out for a couple beers or you know drive through starbucks and get a latte and a muffin so you know that idea that food is expensive well so is convenience food if you really go and look at your budget you know most people are not eating a two dollar lunch they're going out for a twelve dollar lunch so if you went and bought the ingredients and maybe you threw them in your crock pot and you cooked it yourself, you know, you'd have much more control over what's in the food. Um, you'd actually be able to make it more compatible to your own eating habits. There's just so many opportunities with that. So it's a time thing. And, and we really are this culture of busy. So to actually slow down and think about how we feed our bodies is such a foreign idea for most people. So I, I again, try to make it easy bite-sized pieces for people to kind of move forward so you know make some soup on the weekend and and put some really good veggies in there and guess what your kids will probably eat it if it's something that they get to make with you that kind of thing so just kind of retraining our beliefs around what food costs and and for me I also think of it as health insurance so I would rather spend a few extra dollars on a few items that are important to me than you know knowing that those are things that I believe are going to help me be healthier in the long run. Um, You know, not to sound like the privileged white people, but, you know, we do have such an opportunity 
to have that choice. You know, other parts yeah. of the world, they are lucky to eat what they can find. So I, I just think, again, it's it's a bit of a mindset, well, to change into that. And even when you're on a budget, um, you know, there's so many great food choices in town. Like they have um, programs for people where you can get a food box and you can take cooking lessons and things like that too. So it's not just for the people that are going to spend $1,000, $2,000 a month on their groceries. Right. There are people that really need to be careful with what they spend on food. But I used to work in a lot of street clinics when I worked in the States. And we would work with people who were homeless and people that were very low income, seniors. And a big part of what we would do is help them to understand, like, you know, here's some little things that you can try that will help you have... Oh, there we go again. There we go again. Yeah. Um, will help, help you have, like, more fresh food in your diet. Gotcha. So even if you're on food stamps, which was a lot of those populations. Yeah, so. definitely. That's a lot, a lot more prevalent there. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. So another one of my favorite sayings is, mm. on, on that same subject, is you are what you eat, ah. so don't be easy, cheap, or <laughs> fake. Yes. So, yeah. No, that's, that's a good a, one. <laughs> So one question I do have, I, yeah. I don't know much about the story, but a oh. little bit at least. Uh-oh, okay, what is it? Captain Kirk at the Oscars. Oh, Captain Kirk. Yeah. I what, thought that would pique your interest. Oh. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a bit of a sci-fi nerd myself, and um, a couple of years ago, I'm, I was trying to think of what year this was. I think it was 2011. Um, I was asked to go to the Oscars to be a natural health consultant for a company that I had done some writing for. And um, it was very interesting, very, very neat experience, very surreal. So we were hoping, you know, Brad Pitt was going to be there and all these big, big superstars. But we actually were in this back room. It was kind of like the swag tent. So everybody Uh that was famous was going by and getting all their freebies and things like that. So so um, so interactions were pretty limited to just kind of like, hi, how are you? But yeah, Captain Kirk, he was there. So I I met a few other people and then people that I didn't know who they were because they were tv people and things like that but yeah it was pretty cool oh, so. I'm, a, I'm a big sci-fi nerd myself Are you? as well yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm not but i still think it's cool it's, it's yeah. cool it's a cool story i was at the oscars so that was pretty cool that, so. that, that, in, it's, really that cool. in itself is yeah. unreal yeah, <laughs> yeah. awesome right. guys any you're good uh, everything's good any last yeah questions? um i i would like to just know for someone that's stuck right now mm. in this cycle of maybe poor health or, or mm. you know, they, they know they have to make a change, yeah. um, what would you tell them to do? Like three actionable steps that they can take today mm. to make their day tomorrow that much better? Yeah. Well, I think first of all, you know, looking at, is it something that maybe there's just more opportunity for them to connect with others so if there's any concerns say like with anxiety issues or depression uh, a lot of mental health is unfortunately not talked about so you know connect with your community I think we've gotten to be a bit of a uh, an online community so it's it's great to have that it's such a exciting way to connect with people but also take time to actually connect in person with someone you know pick up the phone have lunch go for a coffee you know, just really share where you're at because I think that compassion piece is very healing. So if that's at all a component of what's going on for someone, I think that is really important. Um, sleep, my goodness, everyone is not getting enough sleep. So we are uh, insomnia. I, I just say the last five years has just gone through the roof for people. So really address how you're getting your rest. I think that's such a huge piece of just 
the body healing itself. You know, it's kind of literally when the sanitation workers all come out and clean up all the all the roads and everything. So um, if you're not sleeping well, find ways to start changing that. You know, maybe you need to have a brain dump before you go to bed and journal some things out that are on your mind. Or maybe you need to go for a walk and, and get some exercise so that you can kind of unwind at the end of a busy day. Um, you know, watch that you're not drinking for cappuccino frappuccino thingies at, at two o'clock in the afternoon trying to keep yourself right. awake at work um yeah. sleep is a really huge thing and i think it's it's a lot of people's big big cornerstone of where things start to change for them when they're not getting their rest um and then of course food like i i'm a huge advocate of food so change one thing in your day like maybe you go from not eating breakfast to having a smoothie or instead of just eating uh, a bagel and a coffee, you know, have a hard-boiled egg or have some nut butter on that bagel or, you know, just find ways that you can actually get more positive calories in than just running on empty or, or just putting in stuff that literally doesn't give you any any good fuel. It's just calorie. So, so those would kind of be my big things. I think emotional health and sleep and trying to make small changes with food, uh, you know, wherever you can. That's just such a huge opportunity for big, big changes to happen. And just build so. off that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. Yeah, simple but forgetting. Uh, you know, we just sometimes we need to be reminded of those things. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, you're welcome, awesome guys. So there's a reason I wanted to do this one a little oh, thank earlier you. than our regular Sunday pieces. Yeah. It's, it's a pleasure. Uh, as soon, this was uh, David's guest idea, and mm. it was a pleasure to meet you within, I think we thank only you. had a 20-minute meeting last time, and I was yeah. like, I have to be on this episode. Oh, thanks, I Shelby. I it's a Shelby there. thing, you it's know? A Shelby there's thing. not a yeah. lot of us out there. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's been really illuminating. I think you gave a lot of value to people. Um, thank you. We hope our guests... I'm sure our guests enjoyed you, and, and oh. we just want to thank you so much for yeah, coming Yeah, thanks, guys. One thing I do want to know right before we okay. close off, though, what is something that you are obsessed with right now? So it could be a book oh. you're reading, maybe a course you're taking. I know you're active in the learning space. Yes. Or just a random what TV am I show or something with? like that. Oh, my goodness. Um, Doesn't have to be TV. Oh, oh, I can talk about, like, my real life. Okay. Literally, anything, um, yeah. Anything fantasy. I love fantasy books. I work with Ashley Peterman, who yeah. is the self-proclaimed biggest nerd so she is and i are constantly jazzing on like black panther and you yes. know orphan black and yes stuff like that. i like <laughs> so, it that's awesome all the so, marvel stuff all that's the marvel awesome. stuff yeah i'm so happy i have a 14 year old who will be my date to all those movies so Do you um, talk a lot with ashley at your clinic oh yeah yeah she's the biggest passionate yes. person about all that she's very fun um, so yeah, that would be one of my big that's things. Awesome. Yeah, that's one of my, my well, nerd out moments. I will moments. probably see you at the opening <laughs> of the Avengers Infinity War. You then. will. I will probably be there in my costume. No, I don't have a costume. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I'll bring you a uh, Iron Man mask. Will no you? Problem. Yeah, I'm trying to get to Comic Con next year. But that we'll way see. people can't see you glaring at them when they take the yeah. massive bowls of popcorn up. So. <laughs> I don't glare. No, no. I, I take my Dr. Etner hat off when I leave the leave the building. Awesome. So. Yeah, That's so awesome. so thank you guys. It was thank really fun. Thank you so fun. much for being on, Shelby. It's yeah. been a pleasure. And awesome. uh, thank you everybody for watching or yeah. listening, Thanks however everyone. you're consuming this right now. Very cool. Thank yeah. you guys. Yeah, it was great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome.